This podcast is scheduled for one fall. Now residing in the Quad Cities, Dave in the QC. And his tag team partner from Rochester, New York, this is RJ. Do you experience digital eye strain from too much blue light exposure from your digital screens? Baxter blue glasses are not your average frames. Their blue lenses filter 80% of the high energy blue light, eliminating 99% of glare. The past year, we have all been glued to our devices more than ever. My son is no exception. He's on his iPad every single day, but with Baxter Blue, his eyes don't hurt. Our exposure to digital light has soared, and our eyes and our sleep are suffering as a result. Baxter Blue is also a force that for good and provides a pair of reading glasses for someone in need with every pair sold. This is eyewear built for our digital age, and Baxter Blue is giving our listeners 10% off your next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kids' glasses. Click the link in our show notes for the exclusive discount. This is the sign you have been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you will love Baxter's, and we know that you will feel the difference. It is Friday. It is 9 a.m. You know what that means. Another great episode of the Ringside Rant is right here with you right now. I am the man with a magical voice. He is Dave in the QC. So, Dave, so it's it's been a long week. Anything really interesting happened in uh, in your world this week? No, not really. Uh, bought a $1,300 MacBook for fun. Yeah. And, and then just joined my golf course as a member. We got the first time we've had the opportunity to do that. We got new owners. It's actually a golf professional now. The guy just bought it and moved into the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So it's... Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how they do with this golf course. So we got a really nice golf course out here where I live. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I can imagine, especially out by you, uh, being out there in the middle of uh, a nowhere out there. That's I'm sure it's golf country out there. A lot of nice golf golf courses. Uh, there's there's a couple of them out here where we live. Mm. So, I mean, obviously, way out here where I live, there's only the one. But it's nice to have a golf course in your neighborhood. You can't beat it. Is it a big, big golf course or is it kind of? Oh, it's 18 holes and it's a it's a Nicholas design. I mean, it's a really nice. Oh, course. So, so it's like legit. Yeah. Oh, no shit. Yeah. The only thing I don't the only thing I don't like about the new owner is is he won't let us take our own golf carts out there. Right. So that's what I used to do last year. Just, you know, just hop on mine right over there and and roll with it but now i have to use the course golf cart but that's all right i just it's the only thing i don't like but i went over there for a meeting right before we had this we had to do our our men's league meeting and then i had to get the lowdown on the couples league as well and of course the very first day there's couples league i gotta go to a freaking one-year-old's birthday party exactly what you want to do i'm sure so instead of playing golf that I just spent a fortune on to play, 
I will go to a birthday party for a one-year-old. Did you play consistently last season or, Oh, obviously barring all the crap that's been going on, but when in in a normal year, did you get out a lot? I got out more last year than I ever have in my life. So I actually joined the men's league last year and did men's league and some other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's I'll play. I got to make sure I get my money's worth this year. So I'm going to, you bet your ass. I'm going to be out there. Yeah. So you and the missus can get out there and uh, win some hardware, bring it home. She spends more time looking for golf balls than anything. It's quite annoying. Well, they, we can have uh, my grandfather. He, and she like, just hollered up. I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my grandparents uh, golf for like 35 years straight every single day. So my grandfather was like that. He'd collect golf balls. Up until one- last year, my grandmother uh, played golf. And then so she's 89. Mm-hmm. And she's starting to show signs of Alzheimer's, so she can't mm-hmm. drive herself to the golf course anymore. Yeah, yeah, she played. She played eighteen holes pretty much five days a week. Yeah, no, but my they would. Uh, he was, I think, he was seventy something, and he shot his age. That's better than me. I suck. <laughs> I suck. I suck hard. But hey, you know what it is? It's fun. I go out there. I get lit. All good. That's all that matters. And you get the, you get, uh, we call them, uh, when I used to play on a regular basis, I, uh, we used to call them their beer, beer wench on the, and, uh, golf cart going around with all the beer and booze and stuff on the, uh, on the golf course. I'm like, well, she's got to make money too, I guess, but I digress. Anyways, but this week I figured we saw WrestleMania, which was a hell of a WrestleMania, a lot better, I think, better than last year, obviously, with, uh, fans allowed in in uh, the stadium this year uh but i figured we get one of those bangers out there with wrestlemania 10 and one of my one of my favorites there's not too many wrestlemanias out there that i don't like but this one is right up there with uh some of the better ones i liked wrestlemania 10 it gets a, a bad rap i think but it's not bad it's better than some of the I it's I think WrestleMania is 10 is better than the one we just watched from this year. Oh yeah, that's I, I, no doubt about that. But I, even this year's had it had its moments. It's just a matter of okay, you got to make sure that you take it for what it's worth. You, it's not going to be all peaches and cream, rainbows and sunshine every time. But you have to go into it with little expectation, and sometimes you're surprised. But one thing that we haven't been surprised is the great job that Mr. Rich Palladino has been doing for us on this, uh, on this great show, the ringside rant. So let's send it up to the ring forum for our opening contest. Ringside rant fans. It is now time for RJ and Dave to throw down their opinions. It's the opening contest. All right. Thanks rich for that. So Dave WrestleMania 10 was the first edition. I had to actually think about it for a second this was the first WrestleMania that Hulk Hogan was not on it, uh, which I think I don't know if he was officially gone yet or he was filming a movie. I'm pretty sure he was gone, though, because 94 he was officially gone because he debuted in WCW not long after this. Yeah. So, I mean, he was officially gone. I'm pretty sure the writing was on the wall. I don't remember exactly when the ticker tape parade was for him at Disney world when he actually signed with WCW. But I mean, you know, that that whole 
negotiations took a long time. It didn't just happen quickly. So Hogan was gone by then. The WWF had moved on. They're trying to move on, try, try to find, you know, different faces of the company. You know, you had Razor Ramon, you had Diesel, you had Shawn Michaels, you had Bret Hart, you had Owen Hart. They were really pushing hard for, for Bret Hart to be that face of the company in, in these few years here that everybody's been saying that's been those gimmick years between 94, all the way up to, uh, uh, up to the attitude when the attitude era started. Well, the gimmick started before 94. Well, but a little bit more. Once you got to 94, it's pretty much more of a hardcore gimmick. Or everybody, everybody had to have a, everybody had a one. job. Right. Or an occupation. Everybody's a plumber, electrician or dentist or something. Yeah, I think this is the first uh, dentist that was in the uh, Hall of Fame, right? I would think so. <laughs> I don't think there was another dentist. Unless some of the older dudes from like the sixties and shit have were dentists that we didn't know about. <laughs> so, like we said, it, the shift was pretty much over to Brad Hart being that face of the company. We saw the classic match that they had here with, between Brett and Owen. I, I can't previous to this. There, this was probably to me, anyways, one of the better buildups to a match. Quote, well, no, quote, that was from his. At Survivor Series is when Owen was the only one pinned in the Hart Foundation versus the Shawn Michaels and the Royal Family. Because it was supposed to be Jerry Lawler, but he got in trouble with a he had a pretty serious rape allegation or something like that that, that came about. So Lawler was oh, out. Yeah, yeah. So at that, that was the, the, the first showing of a heel turn for Owen. Mm. When he came back in, when the team was celebrating and pulled Brett down and shoved him, yada, yada, yada. You know, that's when Brett started saying, I will not, I will not fight Owen under no circumstances. Will I fight Owen? Mm -hmm. And then they teamed at Royal rumble. That's what against the Quebecers to win the tag titles. Yeah. So they ended up losing because Brett never tagged Owen with the injured knee. And that's when he kicked his leg. And out then of his Owen leg. kicked his leg out of his leg, as he said. Yeah. So that was the official heel turn for Owen was at the Royal rumble. And then that basically got him going full full speed ahead to to WrestleMania 10 here in, in Madison Square Garden in 94. Uh, a lot of people consider this one of the best matches in WrestleMania history. This card, we'll, we'll get into a little bit later, but there was a pretty good amount of decent matches on this card, uh, this Owen Hart being one of them. Do you... With Hart go Brad Hart going uh, into this match thinking, okay, he's got to win, right? He's got to win. And then Owen rolled up in the corner, that move that we've seen hundreds of times in these highlights. Do you think this uh, th this heel turn and the feud with Brett really put Owen on the map? Well, I think so. I mean, this is pre-days of internet and... You know, this is when I'm, let's see, 94. So I was 12 at this time, 12 and a half or so. Mm -hmm. So I, there was no internet yet for us to get all the, the rundown of what's going on. I didn't have any dirt sheet access or anything like that. So <clears throat> I had no knowledge of if WWF was looking to push Owen hard or something like that. I just watched the product. 
So I didn't really think Owen Hart would win. I mean, Bret Hart was in a world title match at the end of the night. So you wouldn't really expect your, you know, number one contender or number one A contender to be getting beat earlier in the night. But, I mean, I, I think it was really good for Owen's career. I still think WWF at the time could have done more with Owen's career. And what I mean by that is, is, you know, previous to this, Owen Hart didn't do hardly anything in the WWF. He was pretty much a, a jobber to the stars and mid-carder at best. You know, I, I think probably his best little run he had might have been as a tag team with Coco Beware as high energy at one point. Yeah. So this whole heel turn really helped Owen. He beat Bret Hart at WrestleMania. He then went on to win the King of the Ring. He then faced Bret Hart at SummerSlam in the Steel Cage match. And then I, I kind of think that's where it all ended for Owen. And I think that that was the wrong call. So, and what I mean by that is, is if, if I were the booker, and this is the, the way that I'm going, I see money in Owen. If you see money in Brett, why would you not see money in Owen? Mm -hmm. So Owen turns heel. He beats Brett Hart at WrestleMania. So I think if, if I would do it, I would have Owen turn heel. But I would have had him lose to Brett Hart at WrestleMania. Kind of like the same way he lost to Brett Hart or the same way he beat Brett Hart, but have the roles reversed. So I would have had Owen lose. From there, I would have had Owen win the King of the Ring. And then instead of Diesel beating Razor Ramon at a random house show or whatever for the Intercontinental title, I would have had Owen do it on a Monday Night Raw or something like that. And then I would have had Owen get a run as the Intercontinental Champion throughout the summer. So we had Diesel get the belt prior to King of the Ring. Owen could have already had it by then, for all intents and purposes. Hold the belt. Diesel held it to SummerSlam when Razor beat him back. Owen could have held it till SummerSlam. Say it was a rematch with Owen and Razor Ramon at SummerSlam. And, you know, he could have gotten distracted by a returning bulldog or something like that. That could have helped with the feud. Then they could have ended up having at Survivor Series instead of Bret Hart and Bob and a 45-year-old Bob Backlund in the submission match. They could have had it with Bret and Owen in the submission match for the world title. So, it's because they were in the cage then, right? No, the cage was at SummerSlam. SummerSlam. Oh, you're Survivor, about, Survivor you're Series. Survivor Series. Yeah, Survivor Series was, was Bret and Backlund in the submission match to throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. So I think that would have been the perfect opportunity for Owen Hart to win the, the WWE title at Survivor Series. Right, right, right. I would have liked to have seen Owen Hart win the belt there. And then and, and that, that's the way you could have gotten it off Brett with a screwy finish. So you could have had Bulldog. And, you know, at this time in the summer, they didn't have to necessarily bring up Jim Neidhart. They could have had him sitting in limbo. So Neidhart could have been the one that convinced Martha Hart 
to throw in the the towel the towel after Davy Boy got knocked out or something, mm. like Owen did. So it could have just been something different, you know. It could have been like Bob Backlund as the person who was supposed to throw in the towel for Owen Hart, or whatever the case may be, instead of Owen with Backlund before. But you know, and then you could have had Neidhart as the one that convinced him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I just think at this at this venture they played this out. This wasn't going to be the last time, and I think they played it out time wise perfectly, but. At the end of the day, Brett got over more, and I, and obviously because he was the face and Owen was the heel. But I just wish, like I like we we're like you were saying, is that he would get some sort of run with the title at this point because later on it didn't really make too much sense. It would make more sense if you do it early, so he has a little bit of a run with it. I, I think he should have had it, and even if he were to lose it to Diesel a couple days later which I wouldn't have done. I could have had, I think Owen Hart should have gotten the the rub and been champion from survivor series up until Royal rumble or something. Then you could have put the belt on diesel to have the feud with Shawn Michaels or whatever. You're talking the IC though, right? You're not talking. No, this is the world title. Oh, you're talking the big one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I would have liked to have seen that Owen wins it at survivor series. Diesel wins it at Royal rumble. You get the feud with uh, Owen. And Brett again, you know, because Brett comes back. They could have had the the other submission match like what Brett and Bob Backlund had at WrestleMania 11. That could have been Brett and Owen in the rematch. Brett could have gotten his win back. And then just, you know, the, the title would have been off and it's off to the races with Diesel from there. But I, I think WWE, obviously the heel turn helped give Owen that push. But I think they kind of fumbled it a little bit after the cage match at SummerSlam. I, I kind of think Owen was never going to be the champion at that time anyway. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they really know what to do with him after that. I mean, because you think about it, he still never won the Intercontinental title for another three years. Yeah, because yeah, then he, was, he would be in that feud with uh, Austin. Yeah, he beat Rocky Maivia for the Intercontinental title mm-hmm. some three years later prior to SummerSlam 97 when he lost it to Austin and broke Austin's neck at the same time. But and, and even towards the end of his that that uh well use of terms end of his career there, he was pretty much putting a lot of guys over like a rock, like an Austin, like a triple H. Uh, and that's one thing I didn't understand either. So yeah. you, you think back to that whole thing, you have Survivor Series 97 happens with the, the Montreal screw job. Mm-hmm. Neidhart ends up leaving a couple weeks later after joining DX and then they turn on him. Mm-hmm. Davy Boy leaves immediately. Bret Hart leaves immediately. Pillman was dead, so he passed away a month before. Mm-hmm. Owen came back a month later at In Your House Degeneration X to attack Shawn Michaels. Right. But he never had a title match. He never really had anything. He joined and he, he was in the main event for In Your House No Way Out. In February of 98, it was DX and the New Age Outlaws, but Shawn Michaels didn't wrestle because he was injured, so Savio Vega took his spot. And then it was, what was it, Steve Austin, the, I don't remember if it was the Legion of Doom, and Owen Hart, maybe? 
was it uh L O not L O D, um the uh DOA maybe? Nah, it wasn't DOA. I think it was L O D. Let me look real quick. I think it was Austin L O D and Owen Hart versus Triple H, Savio Vega. Get a kind of different view on it too, as far as his run. That being Owen, I would have liked them to play on the emotions. You know, you said Brett left, Davey left, Nightheart left. Play oh, the emotions me. on that. It was Cactus Jack, Chainsaw Charlie, Owen Hart, and Steve Austin. Oh, geez. That's a lethal team right there. But I would have rather seen him get that run later on. Still get these wins, still get the rub, still get the push here in ninety in uh, WrestleMania time in ninety four at ten here, and then later on when everybody leaves him basically to catch the crap of every of them, because you know it happened. Everybody says it didn't, but it it, it had to. I, the- I wish I wish they'd have got he'd have gotten a run. Yeah, he should have gotten an Intercontinental and World Title run. Oh yeah. At least once in in ninety four, I think oh, it should have happened in ninety four. So basically, the belt situation that Diesel got, I think, should have went to Owen. Yeah, I don't think Diesel needed it. Well, but Diesel, I don't think he Diesel's always been one of those guys his whole career that he didn't need that title. He was always going to be over because he's a big ass dude that's going to kick the shit out of you. And if I mean, you don't I, like I'm okay it, with I'm okay with Diesel having the run in 95 as champion. Yeah. But I liked diesel as champion better than Brett, but I'm just, I mean, that's just me. I'm just not a big Brett Hart guy. Never have been, never will be. It is what it is. Loved Owen Hart though. Oh yeah. Just not a big Brett guy. But, and I think at this, we said it to begin the show is that I think in 94, they were more worried about having a face of the company. Brett was that face, whether you like, like you said, whether you liked him or you didn't like him. The guy that's going to do all of these press, uh, press shows, these radio shows, these TV things, these commercials, the guy that's basically going to sell the goddamn merchandise. Well, I mean, any guy you make the champion is going to do that. That just, it is what it is. Yeah. They all do that. Heavyweight title here. We saw, like you previously mentioned, there's two title matches, one with Brett and Yokozuna, and then one later on, excuse me, one first with Lex Luger and Yokozuna, and then later with Brett and, and Luger, or excuse me, Brett and Yokozuna, excuse me. And for those of you that aren't familiar with this, this was that whole kerfuffle, that clusterfuck that you want to call it, maybe, of the 94 Royal Rumble that it was where they both went out. I well, we got, we got, we got it with, I think we got it by accident though, with oh, Cena and Batista? John Cena and Batista. Yeah. And then we also kind of had it with the rock and big show back in 2000. Yeah. But you got to work the cameras guys. Come on. <laughs> so it just, it's, I liked it. I'm not even going to lie. I liked, I liked the finish of the 1994 Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. It was good. It brought about, you know, controversy. A lot of people thought Lex Luger was going to become the WWF champion. Never happened. But, you know, he's another. I kind of I kind of think 
WWF missed the ball with him by not putting the belt on him in 93. Yeah. So, but obviously, I mean, everybody can't always have the belt. But Luger, that SummerSlam 93, Luger versus Yokozuna, Luger was over. And he was a new face. I mean, he was a heel when he came in. I, I always thought Lex Luger played a better heel than face. But the Made in the USA, Lex Luger was over in summer of 93. Mm-hmm. And I think WWE screwed up by not letting him beat Yokozuna at SummerSlam. That whole big parade they threw and all the guys coming down to hoist Luger up on their shoulders after the count-out win was just stupid. It didn't make sense. It didn't... You, you're, you're telling your fans that, hey, they, you can get counted out and you still get a celebration. Oh, bullshit. Shut up. Yeah, that was dumb. But... I, do you think it played it? Why he didn't get it is because he couldn't. He wasn't the best guy in ring. He was more of the. He's more of a body guy, obviously. Or do you think no, it was I, just I think, other things? I think his. I think he probably would have gotten it. He wasn't a very good interview, right? But I think one of the reasons is he because he was kind of a dick. Mm-hmm. So you know, I you've heard Bruce Pritchard talk about having to shoot vignettes with Lex Luger and how it become a real pain in the ass because he'd be late. He wouldn't want to do this. He'd whatever. And I think a lot of that comes into play. If you're going to have somebody represent your company, they got to play ball. Mm -hmm. You know, Hulk Hogan was there for what they needed him for. Bret Hart was there for what they needed. I mean, hell, the undertaker was there for what they needed him for, for 30 damn years. Obviously the last few years, it's only there once a year, but. I mean, Undertaker played ball. That's what you got to do. So Lex Luger didn't have the talent or the mic skills of a Shawn Michaels to be a pain in the ass like Shawn Michaels was. But Shawn Michaels still played ball when it came to doing things. But I think just over the years, the drug use, the things, you know, Shawn Michaels became a dick. I don't really know, but I I think that probably plays a big part into why Luger never got the rub. Yeah, because we saw the acting president jack tunney basically say hey we're gonna do a coin toss if you win you can go first if you lose you're going second blah i don't know if this is just it might just be me but this is kind of like insulting your intelligence it's like you guys already picked this out i was looking at it now instead of looking at it then as a 10 year old for me okay it made sense okay you're gonna coin toss you never know what's gonna happen yeah i mean it didn't really matter i kind of look at it though as Lex Luger kind of got screwed. And Yokozuna at the same time. Bret Hart gets to wrestle the very first match of the night and then the very last match of the night. Lex Luger and Yokozuna go on in the middle of the night for their match before you know the winner would have to go on again shortly thereafter. Shouldn't the champion and Lex Luger have had the first match of the night? You would think. That would have made more sense. Well, but then it but then it tells you that hey, maybe it's not actually gonna happen then. Maybe Luger's maybe Luger's gonna win. Because I, I well, don't know. once Lu I mean, once Luger lost, or I guess, you know, his little DQ thing, you you knew Brett was gonna win after that. Oh yeah. But even this whole thing that with Mr. Perfect, that was a guest referee for Luger's match, DQing him for you know, bringing these, bringing the uh, managers in, bringing Cornette in, bringing Mr. Fuji and all that stuff. It's like, really? 
Well, it was a way to turn perfect heel again. Yeah. But the problem was is perfect left after that. Because he so, just came back because he lost the uh or no, he didn't lose that match. He beat Flair for the uh loser leaves WWE uh match there on Raw. Yeah, but that was a year and a half earlier. Well, right, right. I mean he wrestled throughout ninety three. Because he had that feud with Triple H. He, but he left. He was supposed to be at Survivor Series ninety three. Mm-hmm. And he and he wasn't. He was supposed to be on Razor Ramon's team. Right. And he no showed. So Savage took his place, but Perfect wasn't seen on TV again until WrestleMania. But then he was pretty much gone after that, too. And then he came back in 95. Mm-hmm. He came back around Survivor Series of 95 because he did color with Vince McMahon for that show. 95, yeah. So I don't really know. I mean, it's just it was a way to have a screwy finish. So a top star didn't get beat, which I just don't understand. Why can't people ever be pinned? Everything's just got to have some kind of weird, funky finish. Kind of like today, <laughs> unfortunately. But well, I mean, it's just it's one of those things. That's Vince's way of thinking. But it's also, you know, one of the things that kills me about Bret Hart is, you know, his refusal to to admit that, and he's not the real world champion in the real world, mm-hmm. dude. Everybody knows that pro wrestling is predetermined. Right. It's okay. We don't think any less of somebody because they lost a pro wrestling match. True. So but, that's what that's what annoys me about Bret Hart. I don't know. It was just it just seemed a little screwy for me. It was kind of like okay, we looking at it now. Like I said, it's like okay, you can see the writing on the wall with this stuff, and it's like okay, maybe we should start planning a little bit better for this stuff. The other. You know, big thing I wanted to touch on was this uh, ladder match, the first big time ladder match for the IC, undisputed IC title. Let me stop you there. You're talking about the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. Eh. I'll fight eh. you. I, I know I you'll fight, fight me about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, I had this argument with somebody else the other day talking about best WrestleMania matches before WrestleMania. And I said, everybody wants to talk about certain Mr. WrestleManias. God damn son. Shawn Michaels. You talk about the best matches of all time. Shawn Michaels is probably on, I'd say 80% of them. He's in most of them. Yeah. But this was transcending of a match. We'll say. This is going back to where Jack Tunney ended up getting involved again, stripping Michaels of the IC title because uh, he wasn't defending and, it as often. And I'm like, what? well, it, Michaels was suspended for he pissed hot on a drug test or a steroids or something. Some steroids. Yeah. yeah tell the steroid yeah. test. But he was adamant that he hadn't taken steroids. Right. And if you've gone back and read interviews or something about it, he had said, you know, I was probably the biggest of my career there, fat wise. Yeah. How could I have taken steroids if I was that big? Yeah. So he refused to give the belt back. And then I think he kind of had a little falling out with Vince. And then, you know, all was made well. And then they ran the angle to keep the title, you know, have him keep the belt that he kept. 
and then you know work it into a a feud with Razor Ramon and I think it was awesome I I enjoyed it because then you see Razor winning it beating uh Rick Martel which I love that match I always thought that Martel's always been very underrated in and outside of the ring on the microphone in the ring what have you but that sets up going in here to WrestleMania 10, them going back and forth. Like you said, he's refusing the title. He's refusing this, but he finally realized, Hey, this is actually going to be something. Let's, let's get this ladder match. Uh, it, it, it's interesting to see too. When they came out nowadays, you see like 20 ladders by the damn ring. You saw what three, maybe that ladder match had one ladder and the ladder was broken by the end. But was it there? There was two in the aisle, and wasn't there one in the ring? No, there was one in the aisle, and that is the ladder. I thought there was. Oh, I might have been thinking something else. One ladder only. I think the reason, and I think because the next ladder match that they had at SummerSlam '95 was two ladders. Yeah, I think they learned their lesson because that ladder broke. It ended up breaking. Luckily, it held for Razor Ramon to get up there to get the belts at the end. But you go back and watch that match. That ladder is broken in that match and it's looking flimsy as shit from all the shots the ladder took right well and, and this feud was another one of those feuds similar to the brett and hohen where they played it out a while like you said SummerSlam 95 again well you could you could do it then i mean everybody wasn't gimme 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 now yeah you know so you had a chance and then also you didn't have a pay-per-view every freaking month you don't have all that- these dumbass shows like what we're gonna get we're gonna get it's not even backlash anymore. Now it's WrestleMania backlash. I, yeah, that just stupid. means we're going to get a bunch of fucking rematches. Basically. <laughs> so it's it, just, it sucks. I wish, you know, and back in the night in the late nineties or whatever, I liked it more wrestling, more wrestling, more wrestling, more wrestling. But at this day and age, I think they need to roll back the pay-per-views because the product's just not as good anymore. And it's, it's not doing anything for anybody. I wonder what the real buy rates, I guess. I mean, you can't really say buy rates are, but what the real viewership numbers for these pay-per-views are. Yeah, we'd have like to definitely TLC. TL, like, who the fuck watches that? I mean, granted, we do, but... <laughs> but, but I mean, like, I don't watch that as hardcore now as I used to. Like, I mean, I'll watch Royal Rumble. I'll watch WrestleMania. I'll watch SummerSlam and Survivor Series. But if the wife and I have something going on when WWE Fastlane's on, I don't give a shit. I'm not watching Fastlane. I'm going to go do something. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people, though. Now that you had, like you said, you have a pay-per-view every every month or twice a month or whatever, it's it's starting to get stupid at this point. But now, before we move on, I want to address the whole association of Coronette and uh, Mr. Fuji with Yokozuna. I get the Mr. Fuji, but why Cornette? It was just a matter of they didn't want Yokozuna to talk. You think? I think Cornette was just the, the American spokesperson. Like they said, they used him. I mean, Cornette was the reason that Yokozuna got the win over Hogan at King of the ring 93 with the whole camera thing. And Cornette was with him from then on. So, I mean, I think it fit. I didn't have a problem with it. Cornette was the mouthpiece for Yokozuna because mm-hmm. they didn't want Yokozuna talking because then people would find out he's not really Japanese. Right. 
So Fuji could interview only so far. And I mean, so it, it, if he's going to be your top hill, you got to have somebody go out there and talk. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I always found it interesting to see Cornette come out with him. Like, Hmm, doesn't fit, but I get it. I guess let's go up to the ring with Mr. Rich Palladino. It is now time for rants and raves. So to start off our rants and raves this week, Dave, we saw Bam Bam Bigelow in this pay-per-view, this WrestleMania 10 against fucking Doink the Clown in a mixed gender, I guess you could call it, because he was in his main squeeze, Luna Vashaw. Against I still Dwight to this day, Dave. I still to this day use that. I refer to my wife all the time as my main squeeze. You have to. That's love it. It, it, but that gets over, man. But I just never, ever got the miscarriage of justice that they did Bam Bam. You go back all the way, because I think he goes all the way back to, what, WrestleMania 4, maybe? Where he started? I, I, know, he was at Wrestle, I know he was at WrestleMania 4. He might have been at one earlier. I, I, if anything, maybe 3, but I don't think he was much before that. Uh, but He's always been one of those guys from my understanding. So for what I've read is he was nothing like his in-ring character outside of the ring, gentle giant, but you get that guy in the ring, you flip that switch and he's bad out of hell. Uh, and they just, I don't know if they just did. They didn't know what to do with them. I don't know how you wouldn't. One of the most athletic big guys, if not the most athletic big guys, in the business period, not only at this time. Seemingly the only person that knew what to do with Bam Bam Bigelow and who utilized Bam Bam Bigelow right was Paul Heyman. Yeah, in ECW. Right. Bam Bam Bigelow was awesome. I mean, because he was there. I mean, he was part of like Hulk Hogan's tag team in 88 at mm -hmm. Survivor, Survivor Series. Series. Yeah. So, I mean, he was there. He had runs. But I don't really understand how he never really got the rub but he never got it anywhere other than ecw yeah, but, but and i guess i mean i think he was a pretty big deal in japan too but well yeah when he when he uh went over there but even when he went to wcw i don't he wasn't he was more towards the end of his career then too more so yeah in wcw but... where he was just doing the hardcore thing where hey what do we do with the hardcore not store anybody in there but i was i was excited to see him when he supposedly was getting his push in WWF as a face in 95. But it just, it flamed out so fast that, I mean, cause he wrestled Lawrence Taylor at WrestleMania 11 and got beat turned face shortly thereafter was in the main event, tag teaming with diesel against Tatanka and Sid mm -hmm. at King of the ring. And by survivor series, I mean, he got absolutely squashed by gold dust. Go back and watch Survivor Series 1995. Mm -hmm. Bam Bam Bigelow got squashed. And he was gone from the company after that. Yeah, because then he went over to ECW then, right? Or thereabouts. Or, I mean, he might have went over to Japan. He between. went over to Japan. He went to ECW in like 97. Late. Yeah, because he went to, yeah, then he went to Japan for a couple of years, which I think a lot of, lot, lot of people did at that time because there wasn't you know, the predominancy that it is now of all these promotions. Uh, but it's just, 
you look bad. He's always been in a conversation of people that are underrated, guys that are underrated that should have been pushed more. I just don't know. I don't think that they knew what they had with him. I think they tried it, and then it kind of fizzled out right after that the Lawrence Taylor debacle. Because I think that that I think that's pretty much what shot him in the foot. Uh, probably. I mean, he was supposed to get a, a a push as a face after that, but I'm not a big fan of celebrities coming into wrestling and beating wrestlers. To me, that makes zero sense to your product. You're basically shitting on your own product. Right. So, I mean, I get Lawrence Taylor is a football player and he's a big dude or whatever, but like this past weekend, I don't really understand Bad Bunny coming in and making the Miz and Morrison look like complete fools. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Right. Never has. So kind of like, you know, WCW back in the day, they, you had Dennis Rodman come in and make people look like fools. Carmelone came in. I mean, hell, he had Jay Leno making Hulk Hogan look like a dummy at one point. Right. You had, hell, you had in WWF, you had William Shatner basically beat up Rhodey. Didn't he have something? Didn't he have something with uh, with Lawler too? Yep, he had a little spat with Lawler too, and that's just like, I mean, you're having these guys come in and make fools out of people that are superstars, or you know, and it just to me it makes zero sense. It's I get I get the celebrity thing. You want celebrities in, yada yada yada, but you can't shit on your homegrown talent for a celebrity who's going to be there for a quick paycheck and then gone. If you want to talk about celebrity sh- and then shitting on the product, I have two perfect examples for you. And that was later on. You had Snooky from the Jersey shore. And then you had that Akibono Ocu- thing with a big show that Subo match. I believe that was at what? 22, 21. Uh, was that 21 or 22? I don't remember. It was, it was, it was around it was that 21. Time I think it was but, 21. But yeah, it's just, it blows my mind. It's like, I get it. But you want least, to get eyes least, on the prize. At least Aki Bono was a legit sumo star. Yeah, Snooky was Snooky. <laughs> yeah, but get it where you want to have them um, backstage doing interviews. Like a WrestleMania 6 that we just covered, or that we've, that we've covered. You have them as a timekeeper, a ring announcer, commentator, whatever. Fine, wonderful, great, grand. Do it, but don't get them involved. I don't. I, I a roundabout way, I kind of get it, but at the same time, it's like I I don't like it. I don't mind if they get involved to do it. You know, if the person gets beat up, like if you know, Bad Bunny's not out there doing crazy shit during the match, but he gets the pinfall or something. Okay, I'm okay with that. If the partner, you know, whoever celebrity's partner is beats up the other person to the point where, okay, you just have to go lay on them. That's fine. Or, you know, say it's a a heel celebrity type, you know, give somebody a chair shot or something like that. Okay. But I don't need you in the match going like I liked to me, like what Kevin Owens did to Logan Paul Mm -hmm. or what he did to machine gun Kelly back in the day. I mean, that's what these guys would really do to these celebrities. Who are we kidding? Right. You'd rather have them do that instead of trying to figure out, okay, let's try out some sort of match. I, I, I think the only guy that really 
did well when doing this whole celebrity thing with the WWE was uh, that Amel guy, uh, Arrow guy. When he did that oh, whole thing Stephen with Cody, Stephen Amell. And when he had a whole thing with Cody. And well, then we saw it again new, later. He's got some new show that's going to be coming out where he plays a professional wrestler. I saw that. I, I'm like, eh, that's interesting. I don't I don't know. I, I'm not going to go in, obviously, with a lot of hopes. Because that's, that's going to be on like a CW thing, right? Because that's where the arrow is, I know. I think it's going to be on Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, it's going right there? Well, when is that supposed to come out? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't follow that much. All right. But you got to have athletes like, or, uh, excuse me, uh, celebrities like that that are legitimate athletes. Like this bad bunny, it surprised everybody. And it's. I mean, at least he took it serious enough to actually go train. I will give him that. Right. But I mean, the casual wrestling fan doesn't know that. They just go out there and see bad bunny and make a fool of literally your last world champion. Yeah. Yeah, okay. doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't no. make sense. <laughs> but let's uh, let's move on to our next topic here in rants and raves. All right, this is something that I've ranted about for years and years and years prior to ever even being on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Tag team wrestling. WrestleMania ten gave us one tag team match: the Quebecers versus Men on a Mission. And I think it lasted about seven minutes. That's what we got. Ended in a count out. Men on a mission one did not win the titles. And just just going back and thinking about the tag teams that we had in the WWF in 1994. You had the Quebecers. You had men on a mission. You had the Bushwhackers. The Head Shrinkers. The Smoking Guns. Well Done and the Heavenly Bodies. Heavenly Bodies, not even really, because they were kind of loaned from Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Right. And then at the time of WrestleMania 10, you still had the Steiner Brothers who were on their way out. So you had a little bit of talent there, especially with Steiner Brothers, the Quebecers, the Head Shrinkers, the Smoking Guns. There's still a lot of holes there, though, with the likes of the Bushwhackers, Well Done, Heavenly Bodies, Men on a Mission. Men on a Mission never really got a tag team push till they became heels and by then mode never really did much anyway but do you think wwf did their tag teams a disservice by not featuring them in more prominent roles yes and no i i think there is some logic behind it because we talked about the whole thing about everybody had a job gimmick in this aspect, a lot of these guys were gimmicks. You know, you're talking, you got the rappers with the men on a mission. You got the Canadian team of the Quebecers, the uh, head shrinkers were, I don't even know what the heck they were. I, what? You had the cowboys, you had this, you had that. I, I would have rather seen them do something like have the Steiners. Like, granted, they were on their way out here, but. Get them just to run all over these guys because then you get to see all these guys on a card. Uh, but on the other side of it, I think it is a, somewhat of a disservice because it's showing you that, hey, we'll just throw two guys together, put them in the ring. Nobody really gives a shit anyways. Well, yeah, these guys are great athletes. Look at the Steiner brothers. Just to for better, you know, maybe not so much to that aspect, but even the smoking guns were good. 
you know, billion bark gun. But I, I will go to my grave and I'm about the same lines as you were this time. This is just terrible for tag team wrestling. I say anywhere from basically from 94, 93, all the way up to 2000. Because then you get to see these, the flashes of the Hardys and the Dudleys and the Edge and Christians and uh, all these great teams. Yeah, but, but 2000 to 2003 was about it. Right. As far as decent tag team wrestling. And now right? it's, and then after that, it's, you know, a bunch of people thrown together again. So, like now, I don't get it. I mean, I, I never will get it. I don't, and I understand Eric Bischoff's whole. You know, you got to pay for four people to do one match instead of two, yada, yada, yada. But tag team wrestling is a part of wrestling, always has been. Mm-hmm. And as, as, as long as there is wrestling, there will be tag teams. Mm-hmm. Why would you shit on tag teams? There's obviously people out there who want to be tag teams. The Legion of Doom, you know, for instance. The Hardy Boys, great tag team. Didn't ever look to try and accomplish anything really besides being a tag team. You know, you do hit gold every once in a while when you throw two singles together and make them a tag team, i.e. the New Age Outlaws. But the Smoking Guns were good. The Head Shrinkers were really good. I mean, they were together for a long time. And then, obviously, the new version of the Head Shrinkers with Fatu and Sioni were complete dog shit, but... You know, the Steiners, the Quebecers. You had something with men on a mission once they turned heel. You really did. Mm-hmm. The Bushwhackers were a comedy act. Well done. Nobody took them seriously. But, I mean, you think of the Heavenly Bodies. A lot of people don't know this. Boy, they had some brawls and some mm-hmm. really, really good matches with the Rock and Roll Express and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Oh, yeah. They oh, were yeah. literally Jim Cornette's Midnight Express to the Rocking Roll Express in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Yeah, because that was like early. That was mid nineties. Just before I mean, this, mid nineties. Yeah, 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 right. So I mean, because they made their first appearance in the WWF at Survivor Series '93, wrestling the Rock and Roll Express for the Smoky Mountain Tag Team Titles. At that, yeah, I remember watching that too. Right. But I think. You go back to the old age because I think I forgot who was talking about this. Not, not this exact thing, but they didn't want to pay more people out. This was in that time where the money wasn't great in this time frame. And tag team wrestling, they didn't want to put so much into tag team wrestling because then you had to pay four guys instead of two or what have you. And you look but at But you're still table, doing it. Because, I mean, after this, shortly after this, the Head Shrinkers beat the Quebecers for the tag team titles. All right. As long as you have tag team titles, you still got to pay for it. So, you know, at King of the Ring 94, the Head Shrinkers wrestled Yokozuna and Crush. At SummerSlam, the Head Shrinkers wrestled Bam Bam Bigelow and IRS. You're still having these matches. What difference does it make? You're just getting getting them thrown together regardless. Right. So it's, I I mean, you had, you know, we talked about this before WrestleMania five, WrestleMania six, WrestleMania seven. They all had like 14 matches on the card. Right. What's the difference? Whether it's tag team or not. Yeah. 
you're throwing all these people in a match for fucking two minutes, 90 seconds, three and a half minutes here. What difference does it make? You got to pay all these fuckers anyway, just to have me. I mean, you have a Royal Rumble or a Battle Royal. I mean, at this time in 94, they, it's not like everything was live. They taped mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. So, and if it's really that bad, you do what Eric Bischoff was talking about doing. If you listen to the last week's episode of 83 Weeks, when he was, you know, going to be buying WCW and bringing it out. Mm-hmm. The cheapest way to do live television every week is do it in the same spot. Which makes sense. They're doing that now. Raw could have done it at the Manhattan Center like they started. They can do it at uh, WCW. They could do it at Universal Studios in Orlando. They could do something at the Omni or something well, like they were that. Gonna be doing it, they were going to be doing it in Las Vegas because they had a spot with about a... They could get a crowd of about 4,000 in. And if You mean WCW, you mean? Right, then. Yeah. But, I mean, there was... There's plenty of places to do it. So, I mean, yes, you want to tour and yada, 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 but I mean, these guys are touring anyway. You go to a house show back in those days, there's 10, 11 matches going. Been there and done it. You're not paying much for that. Yeah. And I think we briefly touched on it too is this the whole this pay-per-view is going to be basically known as the whole owen and brett feud but i think we're touched on this as well but i'm pretty i think they kind of went too long with this feud i as much as i hate saying that the it could have been summed up pretty quickly but that's neither neither here nor there but dave what um if you want to touch briefly on that great if now we'll move on to the the last uh topic but I'm done with it. Vince McMahon and tag team wrestling infuriates me. Yeah. His whole view on it. Yeah. So what do we got for our, uh, for our last topic there, Dave? The last topic is Randy Savage. At this pay-per-view, Randy Savage wrestled his last televised match for the WWF. Now, looking back on this, Vince McMahon was going with the youth movement. He, Supposedly, according to Bruce, Vince McMahon had convinced Randy Savage to move to Connecticut. He was going to work in the office and be on commentary. Savage still wanted to wrestle. Randy Savage was 41 years old at WrestleMania 10. We saw he still had a lot left in the tank in WCW. Mm Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Randy Savage and this being his last televised match for the WWF? Like a lot of things in this business, there's a lot of different sides of the coin to every art, to every discussion, to every argument. This one is no, not unlike that with Savage. I think the reason why McMahon wanted to keep him in the office, keep him in uh, on commentary is two things. One to keep an eye on him. And two, to take care of him. He didn't want him to go to WCW. Savage is one of those original guys, along with the Hogan's and Andres, that have been with the company forever. He's going to want to take care of him. That's what he learned from his father when his father was taking care of the guys previous to him. Do I like him being in the office? 
and on a commentary. No, I want to see him in the ring. When I go to a pay-per-view or a wrestling event, whether it be Raw or whatever, at this time, I want to see Savage. I don't want to see him in, in the commentary. And looking at it now, back between now and 94, being 41 years old in the business, that ain't old, man. Unless you got some sort of injury with you, it ain't old. The only thing that was ever old about Randy Savage was his bald spot. <laughs> yeah. Until, you know, you now when you see him for the first time or whatever in TNA, it's different. In like 2004, 2005, whatever that time frame was, that's different. Right. But in 1994, Randy Savage could still go, and he proved it in WCW. I mean, hell, the match with DDP in 97. Mm-hmm. That was classic, man. So, and it's, you know, Savage was quoted as saying that one of the reasons he left was because he wasn't ready to hang up the tights, and he was trying to talk Vince McMahon into a feud with Shawn Michaels. Could you imagine what we could have gotten with in a Michaels and Savage? In yeah. 94 and 95? That would have been awesome. But that, but that's the thing. That's those types of matches with a like a uh, Savage and a Michaels as an example of a lot of things that McMahon has done to the older wrestlers, where they try to phase them out a little bit. We don't want to see them. We're trying to get the newer, younger uh, guys up, guys and gals in there, so we get more money. I get it to a certain point, but at the same time, this is the guy that made this company for you. You have to take care of him. And if he can go, he's going to go. And like you said, 41 years old is not, not old. Maybe even in 94. How old is edge now? He's got to be into his fifties. Cause he ain't in his fifties. Well, he might be his late forties then. He's got to be at this point. Cause I think Adam Copeland is 47, 47. Okay. Well, he's getting up there, but you look at the guys, what was it? AJ's in his 40s, upper 40s. You get yeah, AJ's in his AJ's like 42, 41. Yeah. But wrestling, the wrestling business nowadays is not what it was like in 94. It wasn't what it was in in uh 2004. It wasn't what it is. It's totally different where you can last until your 50s. If you stay in good shape, look at Dustin Rhodes in AEW. You look at a lot of these guys that still can go if they stay in shape. Well, I think one of the things that helps too is, especially now, there is no travel for these guys. That's which helps. Right. So because of COVID, there is no travel. And if reports are correct that WWF, WWE, whatever the case may be, is pretty much done with the whole house show model, or as they call WWE live events now. Right. That will really help with the travel too, because that's seemingly an everyday thing for these guys. So if they're not having to do that, I think that'd take a lot of wear and tear off the bodies and probably help with the lifestyle. So, you know, you, you really think about what killed all the wrestlers from the 80s and the early 90s, they all died of heart attacks. Because they all lived hard rock star lifestyles. Because they're on the road all the time. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, literally, if I was on the road all the time, I'd go out and party all the time. Well, yeah, it's a given. If you're <laughs> not home and you don't have any responsibility, you go out and party. It's what you do. Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is. 
and I think that, you know, not being on the road 300 days a year, the mileage of flying and all that, I mean, because these aren't small guys, so flying's not comfortable for them. I mean, even the biggest of guys, you know, the, I mean, Triple H, was he 6'5? Yeah, there's about something like that. Even flying first class can't be comfortable for somebody that's six foot five and weighs 270 pounds. So even if you're flying first class, it's not fun. I mean, I've flown first class a few times. It's still flying. You still got to get up and go to the airport and do all the crap. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, 41. Yeah, I thought Savage was older than, you know, you, you, when you look at people that are 41 years old a lot differently when you're 12. Than you do when you're 39. Well, right. So hell, look at Tom Brady. He just won a Super Bowl at 43. Go Bucks. God damn you. God damn you. You had to get one in, I know. But no, I I get what you're saying. And it, it's we're we start seeing this with the AEW start doing host house shows. Granted, they're a younger roster, but it's like, okay, it's you really wanna, you know, play play this play this hand I, it's up to you i'm like i really don't care personally i'm like i'll see these shows but they may not want to do that but whatever that's that's neither here nor there but let's head up uh, back up to the ring to rich for our last segment of the episode the following contest is scheduled for 10 minutes and revolves around you it's listener questions it's time for our listeners questions we got two this week dave one comes from our good buddy uh, James Quello, he asked us, do you think Brett getting two matches and the belt at WrestleMania 10 has been saying, yeah, I fucked up for WrestleMania 9? I don't really think so. I, you know, from what I've understood is that the plan was for Hogan to go over at WrestleMania 9 anyway, and then to drop the title to Bret Hart at SummerSlam in 93. So if anything... The problem is, if that's the case, Hogan reneged on what was supposed to happen and then chose to just drop the belt to Yokozuna. So, I don't know. It's it's one of the things about Brett, like I've said before, he takes all this shit too seriously and gets too mad over this stuff. You became world champion, dude. Who gives a shit? You got to lose it at some point. It's just like when he lost the belt to Shawn Michaels, he got mad. Well, I feel like I'm a transitional champion. Well, you held it from Survivor Series to WrestleMania. That's November to March is not too bad. And at some point, I mean, everybody's a transitional champion. To some point. So at least you weren't booked like The Miz just was. You don't see him out here bitching. Well, you got look what he has to he can go home to. Well, hey. <laughs> oh man, we saw that. But yeah, I don't I think this is a little bit of it saying, yeah, I, it, my bad kind of thing to a certain extent, but at the same time, I like you said, Brett always has been that guy that he doesn't get his way, and even nowadays a little bit, maybe not so much as then, but he doesn't get his way, he starts pissing and moaning about shit. Now, more than obviously but I I think it was more so, hey, I screwed up. I should have done, done a little bit differently and still had Hogan go over. But 
like you said, I think that was the right thing to do because Hogan was on his pretty much on his way out. 94 is here, but uh, you want your face of the company to be happy and doing this. I just think he said, okay, the hell with it. I'll just bite the bullet and make you champion. But I mean, he was a five time WWF champion. Did you really have it that fucking bad, Brett? Well, apparently, apparently to him, he did, but I don't. Yeah, I just I, I don't get it where a lot of the business, everybody wants to dwell on the negative. Well, who gives a shit, dude? You're like you said, you're a champion. You do this. You do this. You're one of the most popular wrestlers of all time now. Why are you going to make this crap blow it out of proportion? But uh. hey, whatever. So our next question comes from Devin Dowling. He says, Crush could have been huge if Randy Savage would have put him over here. How high do you think his career would have went? Keep in mind this is 94th is Kona Kush, Crush. I think Crush was about where he was. Look earlier, I mean, a year before that, he was jobbing out to doinks and Shawn Michaels and everybody else before that he was ruining the greatest tag team of all time in demolition but I don't I'm I didn't I didn't hate crush crush was fine but I never saw him as anything really legit or a true main eventer mm-hmm. so I I thought more I liked him in WCW when he became Brian Adams and the, you know he tag team with Brian Clark is chronic mm-hmm. Brian Clark who you may know as Adam Bomb so Crush and Adam Bomb were tag team Brian Clark and Brian Adams they were chronic and in WCW I thought that, I mean they were pretty over yeah even in the you know in the 2000 time frame 2001 then they came to WWF and just got absolute job out I, I just I don't know like I don't know what Vince had against crush or anything like that, but I never thought crush was going to amount to much in WWF regardless. Well, when he started there with demolition in the, uh, late eighties, there, early nineties, that was in 91, 91. And when you're the third man in the booth kind of thing, when you're the third man of the team, they're just trying to fill out what the hell you're going to do. Uh, he would have went later. Yeah, on. Well, I mean, because he came in in 90, yeah. but by 91 demolition had fizzled out. Right. So Axe was, I think pretty much if you talk to Axe, he was kind of being given the Randy Savage treatment here. Mm-hmm. So they brought in a third man. They were kind of using the old Freebirds rule. So Crush came in. You go, I mean, because you go back and look. Axe and Smash beat Andre the Giant and Haku at WrestleMania 6 for the tag team titles. The colossal connection. Mm -hmm. Smash and Crush lost the tag team titles to the Hart Foundation at SummerSlam in 89. Mm -hmm. Or excuse me, SummerSlam 90. So that... After WrestleMania 6, that SummerSlam, Axe or a Smash and Crush lost the belts to 
the Heart Foundation. And then at Survivor Series, Axe, Smash, and Crush teamed with Mr. Perfect against the Ultimate Warrior, Carrie Von Eric, and the Legion of Doom. Then that was pretty much it for Axe in the WWF. And I think that's why we never really got much of a feud between Demolition and the Legion of Doom. Because the demolition that we all knew was done. Do you think it would have been better, like you said, with the demolition tag team, the original tag team, if they would have had them, you know, feud with with uh, LOD or the World Warriors or whatever earlier on before they even uh, our, our LOD came to the company? Yeah, I think as soon as LOD came in, that's when the feud should have been if there's going to be one. Yeah. But I, I, but I, at the same time, I don't think that they would have. Well, who's going to do what? You, you got guys coming in like the LOD, Road Warriors. Okay, what are they could be face, they could be heel. We know, uh, demolition can go face or heel. What, what's going on? I don't think that they really wanted to run. The- I never really, I never really understood. I think demolition was turned heel just because LOD was coming in. Mm-hmm. Because the demolition heel turn made zero sense. Because they were over either way, though. They it, were it, over as faces. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Skydome in Toronto absolutely erupted when they beat the Colossal Connection. Mm-hmm. And demolition was always over. But I think that they were just turned heel because WWF didn't really know what to do with the Legion of Doom coming in. We got to have somebody to feud with, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, so in March, Axe is good enough to be your tag team champion. But by November, he's on his way out the door because he's too old. I ain't buying it. Yeah. And I mean, Smash has come out and said the chemistry just wasn't there with him and Crush. So. But that, but I think that's a lot of the times when you bring any third guy in, it's like, okay, there's some obviously teams that have that to that exception, but you bring somebody in that late in their career, it's like, okay, well, good luck with this stuff because it's probably not going to work because your chemistry is not really working, won't be able to work that well. Yeah. But I mean, it is what it is. It's everything, everything's got to come to an end at some point. I mean, they did it with LOD. Mm -hmm. You know, they brought in draws and then Heidenreich didn't he? join it for a while there in Mm -hmm. 2005 yeah so i mean just whatever it it was there but it's like okay do we do we need it that's the thing okay is is it something we want Eh, maybe but is it something we actually need not so much yeah i don't know i liked i liked crush as a heel a lot better than a face i know that much so when he was the evil Kona crush with Mr. Fuji. I liked him a lot better than Shaka Bra crush. Yeah. Well, we his, yeah. His, his real, but I, but I really think he shined when he was with, uh, with Brian Clark there with, uh, with chronic. Even yeah. When the he, best he was, was with chronic for sure. He, even when he was over in Japan, him and Brian, that was good there. And then, then when they came over they went to WCW and then unfortunately when WCW was bought out by WWE in 2001 there, they came back and then they pretty much jobbed out to, you know, all the tag teams. And well, they WWE. got beat by Undertaker and, and Kane, Kane. And I think that was about it. Yeah. They pretty much were out the door after that. And, and they might even went back to Japan after that. But like I said, regardless, but thank you to, uh, to Devin and James for those questions. 
so Dave, we're going to uh, you know close shop for tonight. Same as always, go over, make sure you follow us on uh, on the Twitter gimmick there at underscore ringside rant, Instagram underscore ringside rant. He is at Dave in the QC. Make sure you give him a follow as well. Check out the merchandise store at uh, ringside rant.wolfarapparel.com. Make sure you go over and subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your family. Really appreciate all, all you guys listening and viewing the show. All your major podcasting platforms. Big shout out to our boys over at the Shining Wizards Podcasting Network, uh, as well as the Full Press Radio coverage. Every uh, every Saturday, we're do, they're doing wrestling, uh, wrestling Saturdays. So check them out. Download the app over on, uh, on iOS as well. Um, Dave, you got anything else or uh, you ready to close shop for the night? No, that's it. I think this is going to be a pretty good episode. Yeah, WrestleMania 10 has always been up there with a lot of a uh, lot of fans as far as being one of the top WrestleManias. Uh, so hopefully it'll come off. Uh, let us know, like I said, across social medias. Let us know what you think, uh, what what uh, what you'd like to see more from uh, from us, and uh, you know we'll go from there. But uh, this is coming out on Friday at nine. This Friday. Stay tuned to our Twitter feeds on Saturdays. We're hopefully we'll have a big announcement coming out about next week's our 100th episode. Dave of the Ringside Rant is next Friday. We're gonna have knock on wood, all goes right, all the lot, all all the stars align, and everything goes off to without a without a hitch. Uh, we're gonna have a big time guest next uh, next Friday on uh, on the Ringside Rant. So stay tuned on that. Uh, Hopefully we'll be making an announcement uh, tomorrow as you're uh, listening to this, hopefully on Friday and uh, in regards to the next week's episode. So appreciate everybody listening this week to, to the ringside rant. And we look forward to, uh, to seeing you next week right here in ranters nation.